Please remain standing and pray with me. Father, we are thankful this morning, a wonderful day, the day that you have made, and the only fitting response is to rejoice and be glad, because you are our God. You have called us, you've chosen us, you've redeemed us, and you have also challenged us to be more like Jesus. Come now, O Lord. May our eyes be open to see the beauty of your presence. May our ears be open to hear the beauty of your voice. And may our hearts be open to receive your word. And come and use me, your servant, Lord. In my strength, I am not able to stand here and do what you've asked me to do. I give myself to you. Use me as you will, and always for your glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Amen. Well, we live in an interesting world, always changing, but yet never changing. We live in a world that is constantly fascinated with me first. Me first. And there was a movie uh, several years ago, a spoof about NASCAR racing, uh, Talladega Nights. And uh, Ricky Bobby summed up this generation. If you ain't first, you're last. And second is just the first loser. <laughs> and that's pretty much how we feel because... If someone sneaks into the parking spot that we are waiting for, how do you feel? If someone sneaks in front of you in the grocery checkout line, how do you feel? When you put your turn signal on to change lanes and the car that is five car lengths behind you speeds up to cut you off just because they saw your turn signal, how do you feel? How many of us rejoiced when we were picked last in gym class? I did, because it was always me. I figured somebody had to be last, so it might as well be me. We like to be first. And the disciples are no different. They were arguing over who is the greatest. And in my mind, I heard it going down something like this. Peter would say, everybody knows I'm the greatest. He told me he's going to give me his keys. John said, come on, man. I'm the closest to him. James says, oh, you got it all wrong. My mama said I'm the greatest. And she's going to talk to Jesus about it. <laughs> My mama says, foosballs of the devil. But James says, no, no. Andrew would say, no, guys, you got it all wrong. I was first. I've got seniority here. Judas says, you're all wrong. He trusts me with the money. And Thomas chimes in, huh, I doubt any of you are the greatest. <laughs> I imagine Thomas is a lot like Eeyore. But the question of the day, and the disciples were confronted with it and embarrassed. Are we ego motivated? 
Does our sense of self-importance drive our decisions? Alex, the other day, asked me a question. What's the hardest part of your job? I wanted to say clocking in, but <laughs> but not really. And, and I thought for a moment, it's not ego boosting. It's pure service to broken people. And that's the heart of the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus shares with us today about being last and the servant of all. And the challenge for us is how do we live that out? Because if we're called to be like Christ, little Christs, how do we do that? And James, in all his practical wisdom, spells it out for us by comparing the two wisdoms. Wisdom from above or wisdom from below. And what is wisdom? It's knowing what to do with what you know, whether good or bad. And it's we tend to equate greatness with doing, accomplishments. A few names I wrote down, and you'll automatically know they were great at what they did. Muhammad Ali. What was he good at? Boxing. Babe Ruth. Baseball. The Sultan of Swat. Michael Jordan. I was going to say make money, but okay, basketball. <laughs> Tiger Woods. Go on. Thomas Edison, inventions. Albert Einstein, hairstyle. That's what I said. Who said that? That is exactly what I thought when I wrote out the greatest hairstyle. And he was relatively smart as well. See, our world equates greatness with doing. Jesus equates greatness with being. He wants us to be a great being from the inside, to be like him, to live his life out in this world before any sense of accomplishment comes into play. On the judgment day, he said, he will say to some, depart from me because I never knew you. And I struggled with that. How does Jesus not know people? But what he's really saying is, I don't see any of me in you. I don't recognize myself in you. Because the kingdom greatness is not measured on an IQ scale, but a CQ scale. Anybody want to know what CQ stands for? Character quotient. And the only way we can have the character like Jesus is to live by the right type of wisdom. Wisdom from above or wisdom from below. And the origin of this wisdom, the first choice we have, the origin is from below. James says in verse 15, which we didn't read, that the wisdom from below is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Earthly. It's all about me. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, as John says. What I can get, what I want, and how can I look good. Unspiritual. The word in Greek literally means animalistic, only concerned with survival. Demonic, do what God said not to do. Rebel, rebel. It can be summed up as mean-spirited ambition. 
What's the origin of wisdom from above? From God. He's the only source of wisdom. I have yet to see a department of wisdom at any school. I haven't seen a degree. What do you have? I have a PhD in wisdom. I've never seen it. Because it only comes from the Lord. And James in chapter 1 said, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And he will give it generously. What does that look like? If below wisdom is mean-spirited ambition, Dietrich Bonhoeffer summed up this in one word. Deputyship. I was like, wow, do I get a gun and a badge? No. But the word deputy means you're on behalf of someone else for other people. And that's really our life as a Christian. We're here on Christ's behalf for others. We're doing his work for the benefit of other people. And that's what wisdom from above is like. How does these, this wisdom operate? The below wisdom reminds me of a recent texting acronym that I came across. Anybody text acronym savvy? I'm not. I had to ask someone what IDK meant. And they said, silly, it means I don't know. Somebody sent me the other day S-H-S-M-H. I said, what the heck does S-M-H stand for? Shaking my head. Why are you shaking your head? You're texting me. <laughs> Michael, first time he sent me I-G-H-T. I said, what the heck does I-G-H-T mean? All right. But this one was W-I-I-F-M. It's not a radio station. <laughs> it stands for what's in it for me. That's how wisdom from below operates. It is extremely corrosive because it makes everything about me. And our church drives home to us. It's not about us. Have you ever asked yourself, why are we preaching over here on the side? Most other churches have a spotlight right here, and it shines on the preacher, and he's in the middle of everything. Not us. We're off on the side. Because who is the spotlight on? Jesus. It's not about me. Why do we wear these clothes? Because they look cool? No. Yeah. <laughs> In the first century, they looked really cool. <laughs> but they all have a meaning, covered up with the purity of God. It's his work. That's why we wear the stole. Pectoral cross, because it's all about him. And I carry a cross daily. Wisdom from below is about getting ahead at any cost. That's why it is evil and vile practice is the summary of what this wisdom looks like. But the wisdom from above, what does it look like in operation? You could say worldly wisdom crowns self. Heavenly wisdom crucifies self. The first word James uses about this wisdom is pure. It's the overarching characteristic of this wisdom. 
this word pure, does it, it means totally sold out to Christ. You are empty of you so you can be full of Jesus. That's what daily crucifying ourselves is all about. And what does this empty of you look like lived out? It's all the other words that he mentions. Peaceable. How do you relate with others? Do you like to pick fights? Or do you get along? Paul said, as, as much as depends on you, be at peace with all men. Gentle. Not easily annoyed. Even when you're tired and grouchy. Not easily annoyed. When they cut you off on the highway, not easily annoyed. One writer described this word gentle as sweet reasonableness. Pretty good description. Wish I pinned that. Open to reason. This doesn't mean we're a pushover or a yes man. But what it really means, and listen, especially husbands in the room, listen carefully. What it really means is listen first. Think second, speak third, and admit if you're wrong, fourth. That's open to reason. Imagine if we listened first and thought second more than we speak. One person described our world as the problem is everyone is shouting and no one is listening. James goes on. If it doesn't if it's not hard enough yet, it gets harder. Full of mercy. We see the need and we act to meet that need. A compassionate initiative. The good Samaritan. He saw the need of the man in the ditch and said, if that was me, what would I want done? And he did that. If we want to see people's life changed, we have to have compassionate initiative. Full of good fruits. Paul laid those out for us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Pretty tall order. James goes on and says, this wisdom is also operating impartial. The same standard all the time to all people. We don't treat others differently, the same. Because guess what? We're all the same. We all need Jesus. No matter where we're from, no matter our educational achievements, no matter our monetary status or our ethnicity, we all stand in need of Jesus. Sincere. Found out something interesting about the word sincere. It comes from the Latin sincera, meaning without wax. I said, what in the heck does wax have to do with being sincere? But it's a, it was a grade of statues in the Roman Empire. They were sincera, without wax. It means it was the highest quality of statue because the inferior statues, they used wax to fill in the cracks. It wasn't pure. It wasn't legitimate. It was held together falsely. 
pretty good way of describing sincere. Are you held together falsely? Or are you the real deal? And this seems like an impossible task, doesn't it? Because, man, I tell you, it's easy to get annoyed. It's easy to be partial to certain people. It's easy to pick fights because sometimes it's actually fun. I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes I don't want to be open to reason. I want what I want done. Frank Sinatra and me have a lot in common. I want it my way. But this can only happen when we are totally surrendered to Jesus. When we have come to that place where we say and we mean and we live, Lord, I'm yours. Do with me what you will and always for your glory. Because what are the effects of these two types of wisdom? The wisdom from below, James described it pretty well, envy, selfish ambition, disorder, every evil practice. One writer described this passage as everything is unsettled and agitated. Bitterness. A lot like Mick Jagger. He could not get any satisfaction. He tried, but he couldn't find it. If you live from the wisdom from below, your life becomes a vacuum, ever consuming, never filled. The wisdom from above, James says, would be a harvest of righteousness sown in peace by those who make peace. The Phillips translation says this, and the wise are peacemakers who go on quietly sowing a harvest of righteousness in other people and themselves. What happens when we live out this wisdom from above? Heaven comes to earth. In that beautiful word, peace. Peace doesn't mean you have everything you want. But it means that there's nothing missing, nothing broken. That's what peace means. Nothing missing, nothing broken. We can look at our life and say, well, I'm missing a brand new car. No, but you still have one. I'm missing a new pair of shoes, but you still have another one. I'm missing out on a better job, but you have one where you are right now. Nothing's missing. Nothing's broken. And if we live out this wisdom from above, wonderful things begin to happen. People begin to see Jesus. We may not shine in the spotlight here on earth, but we will definitely radiate with glory, seated in heavenly places with Christ if we choose to use the wisdom from above. And it comes down to that simple choice. Will I choose to crown myself or crucify myself? And if you need a little help crucifying yourself, there's a great prayer 
based on St. Ignatius's spirituality. Take, O Lord, and receive my entire liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my whole will. All that I am and all that I possess you have given me. I surrender it all to you to be disposed according to your will. Give me only your love and your grace. With these, I will be rich enough and will desire nothing more. Memory, understanding, and will. Three crucial things in our life. Why do we give God our memory? Because either we regret something or we're constantly looking back to a better time. Quote, better time. Understanding. We don't understand what's going on fully in our life right now, but he does. Our will, the one thing the Lord truly desires us to give him. Let him have it. Ask for his grace and love, and it will be enough. Today we're challenged by our scriptures and the example of our Lord Jesus himself. To not seek the first place, but seek the servant place, the self-giving place, the enabling others to excel and succeed. And if we do this, we will see the kingdom grow and his glory among us changing the world. Let's be like Jesus, not Ricky Bobby. Because Jesus says, if you're last, you're with me. And I would rather be last with Jesus than first and by myself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.